0: This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA.
1: Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty live cast. My name is Mark Cower, setting in for Andrew Womack tonight and we have a very special guest tonight. Actually, from right here in uh, our home territory, we have Sheriff Jason sell with us. Jason, so good to have you with us. And uh, we're going to give you a more proper introduction here shortly. But it (laughs) is so good to have you with us. You're Sheriff right here in Teller County. I am. And uh Richard, it's always good to be with you. And as usual we let you do the heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got some announcements and things to share with us, so let's do that and we'll get on with our interview with uh, Jason here.
2: Okay, sounds good. So good to have Sheriff Mike's with us. And uh, Mark, it's always good to be with you. Yeah, guys, if you're uh, watching our show on uh, our website, I want to encourage you to check out our resources page, or even if you're not, go to truthandliberty.net and check out our resources. We have got some amazing materials that we've recently loaded there. I want to encourage you to Get that. Did you know you can, uh, Truth and Liberty is a one-stop shop for your news. We've got a 24-7 news feed on our website from all of our favorite reliable conservative sources, and uh, not to mention uh, hundreds of articles under our resources page. One of the things I want to mention to you uh, is the article on the harmful effects of pornography. Uh, check that out, guys. It's chock full of kind of uh, shocking information about what uh, pornography has done to our culture, uh, including crime and the, the breakup of families and other things. Also, we've got some amazing events coming up here um, at Andrew Womack Ministries and elsewhere. um, June 10th through the 11th, this isn't actually here, it's in Georgia. Andrew is going to be speaking at The Awakening 2022 in Fayetteville, Georgia, sponsored by our good friends at Million Voices. I believe that Mario Murillo is going to be there and Lance Wall now uh, and others. And so that is a must-attend event. If you live in that area, it's going to be powerful and awesome. I saw that Mario was just in Tulsa last week. And packed out. I think he might have been at the Maybe Center. It was a huge facility. People out in the streets waiting to get in. It was massive. But um, also July 3rd through the 4th, the In God We Trust performance. Uh, Mark your calendars now to come out for that. And for the summer family Bible conference. That's right after it. It's a great time for the whole family. You will. You will be so glad you came. It'll remind you why you're thankful to be an American. I promise you that. It's an awesome musical performance, and then the conference. You'll just get recharged, refilled. and uh, connects with some amazing people. Um, Are you a subscriber to Truth and Liberty? If you're not, uh, you need to be. I'm telling you, every week we send out information uh, that is helpful to you as you stand for truth in the public square and for Christ. And I'm telling you, you uh, you can't get it anywhere else. So subscribe today, Truth and Liberty. Just go on our website, upper right-hand corner, click subscribe and give us your, uh, your email address and we'll start sending that information to you. As well, we will send you a free copy of Um, Andrew's book or we'll put your name in a hopper and draw out and you'll be eligible to receive a free copy of Andrew's latest book, More Grace, More Favor. This book is about uh, the amazing virtue of humility. Now, humility is one of those things you don't hear a whole lot about because people don't want to hear it, right? But it's actually one of the keys of the kingdom and it will unlock um, uh, God's favor in your life and uh, true peace in your life. So subscribe today and be eligible to receive that. Also, uh, this is an interactive live cast. We're going to be talking about some important stuff today. And if you want to, uh, give a question to Sheriff Mike's or Pastor Mark, or maybe post a comment. You can do that in the comment section on Facebook or the chat section on our website, and uh, we'll try to get to that. And then uh, also, we are d- there. There's some amazing stuff happening here at Truth and Liberty. I can't even talk about all of it, but we are making a big difference, you guys. And if you want to be a part of that with us, you can you can partner with us by becoming a member. Just go on the donate page today, sign up to give an automatic recurring gift of just five dollars or more per month, and you'll be a Truth and Liberty member. And we'll We'll send you in the mail a free copy of Alex McFarland's book, The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. We're about to run out of these. So if you want one, become a member today um, and uh, we'll be, uh, you'll be a partner with us in what we're doing here. Last thing I wanted to mention, if you, if you need someone to agree with you tonight in prayer, um, whatever you're going through. Andrew has a whole room, a huge phone room full of trained prayer ministers 24-7 who are waiting for your call. So call in today at 719-635-1111 and they'll give you some encouragement and pray with you and agree uh, for God's intervention in your life.
1: That's all I've got, Mark. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. Man, a lot of great things going on, a lot of great information available. Amen. And we are so blessed tonight to have Sheriff Jason Mikesell with us. Thank you. And... I just have to tell you, Jason, I I have the deepest respect for you, for law enforcement. Um, I think we've all seen, Richard, in the Mm -hmm. last several years, there's no other way to describe it but a spirit of lawlessness that's been unleashed. And I noticed in your bio here, your grandfather was chief of police, Uh, your father was a Vietnam veteran, and it says here that you felt from a very young age you would be involved in Serving others and and protecting others. Tell us about yourself, a little of your background sure. and what you're currently doing.
3: Yep, sure, my so my grandfather was he was chief of police of Abilene, Kansas in its heyday. Um, my dad was a Vietnam veteran. The um, from a young age, that's all I wanted to do was law enforcement. I knew early that that's that's what I wanted to do. Um, I found it exciting and rewarding. Um, I spent 20 years with the with the sheriff's office and then I retired as a commander of operations and of the SWAT team. Um, wow. So. I did that for many, many years. I retired, I came back about two years later after a phone call about uh, uh, returning. I flew from overseas here to get here to uh, attempt to take that job, and I did. About uh, 28 hours later, after 26 hours of flights, um, I became a sheriff, and uh, I went through my first election. I, I didn't have anybody that ran against me, and then uh, we took up the struggle, and that's that's where we're at today.
1: That's amazing. You know, uh, one of the reasons we were talking about before we came on air, um, law enforcement people such as yourself are really according to the word of god are servants of god Mm -hmm. because you stand between us and evildoers Mm. and there's a commission from the word of god that you are raised up to punish evildoers and uh you know I, I think you've seen countries or situations where lawlessness abounds and law enforcement has fallen can you tell us anything that would give us a little insight because when we look at what's going on it doesn't make sense to the natural mind why is there this hatred toward police officers and and law enforcement and putting everybody into one bundle so to speak what have you seen in some of your travels and experience
3: you know the when you deal with any law enforcement outside the United States, one thing they do is they look up towards law enforcement in the United States. Um, hmm. Here in the United States, we have such a great ability to have a, tr- a separation between government, uh, federal government, and local law enforcement to where local law enforcement are constituents of the people. They really are, they take an oath to protect the people. Um, we have a lot of integrity values that are seen throughout the world. Um, bribery, those types of things aren't allowed here. In a lot of countries, they are. And if you look at a lot of countries that have fallen um, and and went back to chaos, Egypt's one, uh, there's been multiple others, but a lot of it is assault on their law enforcement infrastructure. Now, once that goes away, um, it has to now be the government coming in to take over, and they're not as trained as well, there's not an understanding of what's needed. Um, So it destroys that basis of what the people believe and that's that we work for them, we're we're part of them. We're the ones that that, uh, uh, keep that candle lit at night.
1: Mm. You know, I've always, it's always been amazing to me that um, you guys put on your badge and you go out to work and someone may be, you know, having someone trying to break in their home. They make a phone call. You don't know those people, but you go literally put your life on the line, stand between them and danger. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy in this country among the people that are so vocal about how they hate law enforcement you can't trust them remember there was a coffee shop in some state and uh, one of them wrote this horrible word on one of the police officers coffee cup and somebody dug in and found they had called the police five times that week to come to their coffee shop because of some person causing trouble and threatening people and so how do you deal with that you know it's it's not something that Gets rewarded a lot, and uh, how do you deal with that kind of thing?
3: Well, and you got to think, there's 98% of people love law enforcement. There's a very small percentage that are causing this. Mm-hmm. Look at mm-hmm. Seattle. There, you have the the community saying we want law enforcement back. Now they're trying to overspend to get law enforcement, but they've lost so many they can't create it fast enough. Um, those same people that were on the on the cusp of saying, hey, let's defund law enforcement, guess what they're spending money on? They're spending so money on their own security force. Why uh-huh. is that? Um, you look at them, and it, it makes me laugh to some degree, and go, "You're getting what you asked for," um, but on the other side, it makes me sad to watch that many good people in this country have to deal with what a very small group of people decided they wanted, and we gave it to them. And the the unfortunate piece is, is that law enforcement doesn't get to control the narrative, mm-hmm. right? So you have attorneys that from the ACLU, you have all these organizations that are trying to control that narrative, and they're telling people how they have to think, mm-hmm. where instead of law enforcement being able to say that's not what's happening this is what's occurring and that's the difference on why you're seeing the narrative being pushed so far to the left.
2: Mm. No, go ahead Rich. Well you know this that the the riots that happened uh, in 2020 and the defund police movement I remember at the time thinking defund police what kind of insanity is that what do you think is going to happen we're going to become safer uh, and sure enough um, what's happening to the crime rate now in America, all across America and even right here in our backyard in Teller County? Well, The crime is
3: exponential. You, you've got a, a 46% increase in crime across, across Colorado that's increasing. And, it, and it's interesting to me. I start looking back at these numbers starting 2019. And you see 86% increase in car thefts. You're seeing all these exponential numbers where the increases are so much in 2019. The ACLU actually uh, they put online this um, document and it's called Reducing or it's COVID-19 Jail Depopulation in Colorado. It's a manual that they produced. This is the ACLU. It's the ACLU's yeah. manual.
2: Yeah. And tough on crime people.
3: Tough on gotcha. crime. And what they're talking about is how proud they are that they are able to decrease the population in prison by 46%. And in that same year, we rise 47% in, uh, in, in crime. 86%, 40%, 46% in, in homicides in Colorado.
1: How, what was that
3: percent? 46%. In homicides? It, just in homicides and murders in Colorado. Nice. Well. So you look at all that and you go, well, that 46%, you depopulated these jails and, and the attempt to say, oh, that's not the reason why. That recidivism is not the reason why. But if you look at the numbers, that, that's pretty similar in what they released
2: to what our crimes spiked in a year. Wow so tell us more about that releasing people from jail this how did this happen and and is that tied into the woke agenda and the defund police and all this left-wing stuff that's going on in America today
3: it is it's it's a total left movement of what they want is is total control over that narrative again saying hey um, if we release all these people we're going to rehabilitate them we're gonna make it better but what they've done is, show me the rehabilitation that actually shows that people are so much more productive. When I have increases in numbers up to 87% for car thefts, is that really helpful, numbers? Mm. Um, and, and I would imagine a guess to this that says, I bet you if we really did the research on it, it would show that, that 25% of those continue to, to steal cars. Mm. 80%, 86% is a lot, that's a big number. That's 86% more victims just on your car stolen. And then we decrease law enforcement's ability to deal with it. That's a big issue. And by saying that, what I mean is this, they have decriminalized a lot of these things. They want us to serve summons as not arrest. You know, they don't, they don't want that interaction with law enforcement. Well, who's gonna tell them no? Is the person that just bought this new car that has to pay for it because your insurance won't cover it, are they gonna stop them? I've heard stories from people that said, hey, um, you know, we can track our cars now. We followed it back to where the person had stolen our car too, and we've called the police in bigger cities and they come and they say there's nothing we can do.
1: What so. Jason, when I when I hear all this right here, you know, the majority of people, they don't want this. And the majority love and appreciate law enforcement. And when we hear that stuff, what can we do practically as citizens to help support law enforcement and to change that?
3: Gotta vote. You know here's the big thing right we have got mm-hmm. to put the right people in office right now in Colorado your legislature is democratic run and, and here's it doesn't matter if you're Democrat it doesn't matter if you're Republican crime is crime and and logic somehow has to get through to go why are we allowing these laws to continue if I reduce drugs down from what we used to have is anything over four grams you became a felon right well now if you get up, or right around four grams or so it's reduced four grams of of any type of methamphetamines is a lot. Four grams of, so if I'm releasing these people because I'm not allowed to protect the public from them, it creates um, this feeling for those criminals that they can just do whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year I had an incident where uh, we had a gentleman that shot at my deputies. Um, It's a stolen car, they're in pursuit with it. He's firing at all kinds of officers. Um, We find out that uh, he was recently released on parole, Um, that he had had several charges against him but nobody did anything to him. So it's it's putting my officers' lives in jeopardy. It's putting the citizens in jeopardy. And the only way to do that for the public that want to stop this is they have to take that first step and start talking about it. They have to get the narrative back. Mm-hmm. How do they do that? They have to talk to the news. They have to form coalitions that say we've had enough. Mm. They've got to start voting right. Um, and we need those things to start occurring because uh, children in school, you know, at the current rate in Colorado, we're now. We've increased to the fourth um, highest crime in the United States. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to That's me. That's Colorado. Just Colorado. Wow. Because before that, we were way lower. We were a very safe state. And since just prior to COVID, we have increased uh, where our crimes, and that means our youth are going to be a victim. And mm-hmm. who's going to protect those victims?
2: You know, Isn't that something? Isn't it something? You know, it, it matters who you put in office. What, Colorado's got a trifecta right now where the Democrats control the governor, the legislature, and every single statewide elected executive office. What are some of the policies that they have pushed through and enacted that have resulted in all this crime? Well, they've, they've
3: attempted to take away the immunity of law enforcement. Why is that important? Now, what's the, what does that
2: mean, immunity so of law enforcement?
3: That immunity is if um, I arrest you and you believe it's wrong, then um, you have the right to sue me. Well, it used to be you had governmental immunity, to where the government would take that on. Now, what it means is that if I, as a county or a city, decide not to cover you, that now immunity no longer exists. You are are uh, will take the full brunt of that liability, which you have to pay for that. So. Think about a young officer who's making right around 40 some thousand dollars a year now facing a two million dollar lawsuit in a city or a county can walk in and say you know what we're not going to protect you on this you yeah. know and then you have a state and a government saying we no longer have federal immunity to help you with this or state immunity um, and here's the problem with that right law enforcement across the states looking at this going you you are not going to protect me anymore. How do I protect you if, if I can't be protected? Uh, and there's a lot of fear in that. So you have officers saying, I don't want to be a police officer anymore. I am going want to sell cars. I don't want them to take everything I own from me uh, if something happens. Because it's all perception-based.
2: Has that affected your, your you mind
3: if I? No, no. Yeah. Your recruiting ability? Oh, it's or? killing our recruiting. And here's the thing. My office, we haven't had a, a application for a full post police officer in months. This has happened around the state. Now, police officers are being paid a lot more for dealing with what they're dealing with. And so, your smaller counties and cities aren't able to uh, try to get those folks working for them. Mm. At the same time, the state, um, because of COVID, isn't allowing as many students in the classrooms anymore. So, our recruitment levels that are coming from an academy are reduced uh, across the state. So, we can't have as many students in the academy. So, this this exponential rate of people retiring and getting out of law enforcement, is compounded by the fact that we can't get a new into law enforcement. Wow,
1: this, you know, I'm learning things tonight. I just was not aware of Jason, and this has got me concerned deeply. I know that we, that for instance, we've been involved with school boards and seeing things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Well, parents are waking up and I, one of the things that backfired, I think, uh, on the left and, and the people that are out to destroy America during Corona was they started finding out what was our children were being taught. All these children, the parents are going like, what's going, so this, there's this surge. But I don't know that that's taken in the area of law enforcement. And I've just got this deep concern on the inside with the way you're describing this. Who in their right mind getting paid forty thousand dollars a year would want to put himself at risk for everyone when they could just pull the the cover back and say you're on your own if somebody and who wouldn't try to sue police officer a criminal for goodness sakes or somebody Mm -hmm. that felt they were being done wrong are you seeing any movement here or across the country of the people rising up and and speaking out or groups being formed
3: you're starting to see um, local organizations, there's one out of the springs that uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they're, they're starting to talk about this crime. You're starting to see it on the news, right? Mm-hmm. Your mainstream news media talking about the amount of crime. Now you have some Democrats who are trying to jump out from front of it and saying, oh no, we're friends of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, they're not friends of law enforcement. They're the ones that put us in this position from these uh, mm-hmm. ideals that uh, we just want to let everybody go and, and it'll all be fine. Um, there's some times in life where you have to be hard to change somebody's actions and reactions mm-hmm. and the fact is that law enforcement was that um, and not everything can be nice all the time especially if somebody's trying to kill you. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just not a, a happy day. No. Um, yeah. So somebody's going to get hurt and I will tell you I don't want my officers to get hurt I want them to use a force that's necessary to deal with something mm-hmm. and the fact is every day more and more law enforcement are scared to use that force because they're worried about the lawsuits, mm-hmm. they're worried about being in trouble, they're worried about these these issues coming up. Um, and it's sad to me to watch because we're seeing good young men, men and women that are falling victim to this across law enforcement. Um, and it's harsh. It's just
2: a harsh world and reality that we live in. One of the things you were saying uh, before we went on the air was about a, a, uh, that they have caused parole boards and parole officers and stuff like that to sort of I would put it this way, stand down a little bit and not uh, inter-parole violations and probation violations. Can you tell us more about that? In fact, I think you gave us a stunning example. I have a stunning example. And and here's the thing about this one.
3: Um, I won't use his name, but there's a criminal in Denver. He gets arrested for multiple offenses, um, felony type offenses for harming other people and doing things that are illegal. Um, He goes to court, a judge gives him a year probation on something he used to, what we had was a three strikes and you're out rule. If you had three misdemeanors you ended up with a felony out of it. If you had three felonies you went to jail and you didn't come out of jail for a while. What this judge did is he convicts him. He gives him a year probation. Within that year he violates his probation 28 times by not having a sample of his urine taken. Which means what they do is they tell him hey you need to come on such and such a day we need to get a sample to make sure you're not on drugs and you're doing the right thing. Doesn't show up for 28 times over nine months. During that nine months he gets arrested again um, one of them for uh, a weapons violation prohibited use of a weapon which means he's carrying a firearm he ends up with a second charge when he goes to court he actually pleads guilty to one of those he's then released they still don't violate him on his probation how do you not be violated on a probation for committing you know, a felony act And this is in denver mm. he then goes on to kill somebody during the time when he should have been back in jail mm. And what I don't understand is he's in a pursuit with police, he ends up killing somebody, he possibly rubs another bank, um, and this guy was able to walk free for a year. What example are we setting to a community, what example are we setting for our children when these types of people are causing these issues? And here's the problem I have. The state of Colorado says, hey, our recidivism is down, recidivism is is identified by somebody violating their probation or parole and being placed back into custody and incarcerated. This guy should have been, recidivism rate should have showed 28, 29 times, 30 times. But yet, if we don't identify him as a recidivism rate, well, I guess we've done a good job because we've rehabilitated him and put him back out in the public to be a a good person that's going to work with all other folks. Wow. So it didn't
1: happen. It's like an accountant cooking the books there. Something is not coming up. You know what I'm hearing is in Ecclesiastes, it says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily it says therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set to do evil Mm -hmm. and that's what's going on right here uh, if they tie the hands Um, this has got me uh, wanting to know more about these groups that are rising up to find out what they're doing and how to help people get involved because a lot of people don't pay attention to this if Mm -hmm. their life is relatively calm but we've got to remember, the, the, when you said that about the homicide rate being up, 46%? I believe it's 46% in Colorado. It's those, those very are, high. There's, there is a number of people whose lives are permanently altered, and uh, there's got to be an awakening in this area, like there is now with the school boards. I never would have realized the school boards is one of the most volatile spiritual battlegrounds I've ever seen and things we can barely wrap our minds around what they're trying to teach our kids. And here they can't read, write or do math and they wanna teach them about sexuality at these very young ages and put all these agendas in them and all that kind of stuff. So um, right here in Teller County, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you face as a sheriff here?
3: I'll tell you, one of them is coming on air and actually talking about this. Um, I have found through my uh, history as a sheriff is when you take that step forward and you say, hey, there's, this is a problem, I'll, I'll probably end up on some different news feeds tomorrow talking about it, and, and I'll be biased in different things. Um, that's a pretty normal thing for law enforcement now. There's an attack from the media that just does not stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything you do or say, it's gonna be held against you as a law enforcement officer. It's, it's ugly so just for people to stand up and start talking about it I think is a big first goal Mm -hmm. um, to really get that information out there because how many people are talking about this Um, you have the district attorney's council that's pushing back on the state for a lot of legislative issues Um, you have the sheriff's associations the police associations are joining forces to try to fight this Um, but it's combat on a normal daily basis Mm -hmm. and you have a state that's taking legislative acts and they're pushing them through so quickly that nobody can get ahead of it to get up there to talk about it and even if we do talk about it, um, it it's like they're muting you they don't want anybody to hear those types of things
2: you know we had there's uh, been some crazy bills that came through in the last few months including the atrocious abortion bill signed by governor polis which makes and now california might have passed us already but we, for we were the, the most pro-abortion law in North America, not like China, North Korea uh, and Cuba were ahead of us, but that's about it. Anyway, uh, when people go up there to testify and to go in front of these committees, these Democrats could not care less what you have to say. It it doesn't matter. Just let's get through these witnesses and uh, get on with what we want to do here. Have you found a similar environment up there when you've gone up to talk about issues of concern? Uh, The Sheriff's Association and the lobbyists,
3: it's all the same. And that's the thing if you're trying to speak truth you will be shut down Mm -hmm. and that's what we have seen and and that's that's a big problem for this
1: country Mm -hmm. you know I think in a similar way for instance with the school boards everything you're saying my mind is flashing over that to where these parents are getting upset they're showing up to the meetings literally the school boards are pushing mute and the parent literally literally pushing mute which is what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. and so there's only one answer and it's we the people there I've read this document called you know it starts with we the people but one (laughs) of the things I've been doing you know our good friend Bill Federer he's got a couple of books he's been on truth and liberty multiple times teaches force here at practical government school And I'm carrying in my briefcase right now his book, Miracles in American History. And it's these short stories that his wife Susie put together. You can read them in five, ten minutes. And it's times in American history when if God had not come through, we'd be done. Um, are you seeing any signs of breakthrough in spite of all this opposition and pushback? Are you seeing some glimmers of hope anywhere?
3: I think, yeah, and, and here's why, right? No parent wants to have their children grow up in an America that's unsafe. I think you're gonna start seeing more of a groundswell to talk about the law enforcement side of things. Mm. And here's why, right? We, we still have not reached the bottom of this, this barrel. We've not hit rock bottom yet. I think you're going to see a wave this year of, of crimes that are just increasingly bad. But at some point, this country will take itself back. Mm-hmm. Um, it just can't continue this way. That or we go broke we become mm-hmm. a lawless country like so many others, and we're no longer the America that we saw growing up. Um, and it's changed drastically, but I truly think people are starting to see what we're saying that change has to take place. And we've got to get back to values um, that this
2: country was was made on. You know, I, uh, in the last couple of years, it's become very in fashion to badmouth police. Um, And I think it goes hand in hand with the bad mouthing of America. You know, the 1619 project and the assault on who we are as a nation, critical race theory, teaching that America is systemically racist, that police officers are systemically racist. You can't trust them because they're wearing a uniform. They hate you if you're a minority. Do you tie any of this back to that whole poisonous teaching and doctrine? Oh, I
3: do. And here's the thing. And I know for my agency, I won't ever kneel with anybody. Um, to sit down and, and make me talk about what their agenda is. I won't do it. Um, we won't allow our flag to be torn down. You know, that's something that our veterans paid very dearly for. It. And I'm telling you that law enforcement, we cannot allow people to control our narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't kneel with folks to tell them I'm so sorry. Yes, did, were there things that went on in law enforcement that I wish that it had not had happened? I do. But my agency didn't do it. Mm-hmm. All those people that I've served with shoulder to shoulder didn't do it. Um, so why are we all judged the same? Um, right. Everybody wants equality, but what about equality for those men and women that are doing the job? Um, last year, we lost one of the largest amounts of law enforcement officers I've ever seen uh, in history. And the thing is, is that we can't lose several hundred law enforcement officers every year. It's not okay. And are you talking stand
1: up. locally or nationwide? Nationwide. Nationwide. Nationwide.
3: Nationwide. And that's. Uh, COVID had a big piece to it, but you also had a rise in shootings. You just have such a disrespect for the position, for the authority. But we're seeing that disrespect across the board. I mean, look in a lot of big cities, you can't even walk downtown anymore. You have such a huge homeless population, you have all these issues. Um, And it's always, there's an excuse on why we have these things. And and quite honestly, if if law enforcement would stand up again and go, we're not going to allow this anymore, but we have to separate City managers and city uh, boards uh, that are controlling police departments to step away. There needs to be a separation of those things. Mm. Law enforcement has to do
2: its job um, without always believing that somebody's out to get them. Yeah. Well, when I, you know, i when I was a kid, I remember my dad saying you always say yes sir no sir to a police officer you see that car going by a police car you respect those guys because they're here to protect us I don't know that that message is really being uh, out there today you know like it should be um, what can we do as Christians and as parents to help in this situation what can pastors do and, and moms and dads all over the place what can we do to help
3: spread the message that we have a voice and that voice now has to be heard you know the, the thing about good people is we very rarely step up to the the point of stepping forward into the political arena because we go now that's for that's for politicians well mm-hmm. there's a belief that politicians aren't going to tell you the truth and don't stand for that you know make them pay for that by taking back those positions
1: I, I want to echo you know what Richard says in something that's kind of a soapbox for me is for pastors mm-hmm. uh, the founding of this country it was the Black Robe Regiment, which was a backhanded comment by the British, and we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the pastors. They were bold, they spoke out, and uh, Bill Federer was with us a few weeks back here on Truth and Liberty, and he was talking about silence is consent. Mm. And he used the illustration of when you go to a wedding. If there's anybody that objects to this uh, marriage, mm-hmm. uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. So. When you were silent, you were consenting that this marriage, you're blessing it. And that goes not just for the pastors, but for the citizens. And boy, I'll tell you, just hearing you this amount of time, Jason, my heart and my antennas are tuned toward those people. I want to find out who that is. In Colorado Springs, it's rising up so we can uh, hear what they're doing. And that is the hope that I have. Um, you know, America has seen some times. First, we should have never been a nation if it had not been for god's hand but we had all these times that if god hadn't intervened we wouldn't have made it and survived and i think we're at that place in america right now and there's great things happening but uh, i want to remind too richard the viewers uh please write in your questions i want to hear what some of you are thinking right now so write in for for sheriff Mike Sell and and let's see what they're going to be asking us tonight, Richard.
2: Yeah, well I've got one more question if we can squeeze it in before the viewers. Um, It seems like in the headlines in the last few years also that there's been some stuff that looks a whole lot like law enforcement being politicized. In other words, uh, uh, law enforcement agencies, especially from the federal government, doing things out of political motivation to protect the power of of certain people. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that? Is that just, am I imagining things, or is that going on some?
3: No, I think it does go on. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in a lot of your cities, look at um, Seattle and different places like that. In your larger cities, and your government organizations at the top, um, it takes a lot to get to those positions. They're political positions. They're political appointees a lot of times. Well how do you get to be a political employee? It's because you have the same value system as someone else. But you have to separate what that value system is to understand that you know, everyone under you that, that you're sworn to protect are, are your constituents. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who they are, what color, what creed. It doesn't matter. I mean everyone has a value. Um, and I think that's where now it's become politicized that there's one side versus the other Mm -hmm. and the America I know is split between one side versus the other and I think that's the hard thing to watch right now and yeah do I think things are getting politicized and agencies are doing things out of those reasons absolutely Mm -hmm. and I think if you if you talk to the officers on the ground those street level guys they're tired of it Mm -hmm. Uh, when you put a political appointee just because of who they are or what they are into positions where they're leading uh, hundreds of uh, men and women that are You know, they face death on a daily basis now. Mm -hmm. Those type of people shouldn't be there. You should be there for the love of your community. Um, for the love and values that you hold dear and the people that you're leading and the citizens come before all others mm-hmm. um, and that's not happening anymore. it's a political agenda that's driving everything that they do I think
2: that's called the rule of law isn't it yes right. It is. Yes. we apply the law even handily to all people regardless right absolutely
3: yeah. and
1: Satan is called the lawless one in scriptures yes. I know this is kinda of off from what we're the track we're on right now Richard but before we went on air I've read that Communist Manifesto, but oh, when yeah. you were reading that, and it was just kind of a refresh. It my goodness, it looks like this country has gone down. Can you recall any of those? I'm putting you on the spot. Oh no, no, Can no. Can you recall um. some of those? Because we have to understand, uh, like when I have interviewed Kamal Saleem, former jihadist, came to America to wage cultural jihad. Uh, you know, I'd done several times where I, I, we covered the fact there's people that hate America and want to see this country destroyed. And we're seeing this Marxism, this communism, literally set to destroy. Did, did, did yeah, you I've find Knows This was kind of. Yeah. So these were uh, the goals of the Communist Party uh, of America
2: that were read into the congressional record in 1963 by Congressman Albert S. Herlong, a Democrat of uh, out of Florida, and it it just reads like headlines almost today, right? These things were 50, 60 years ago was what they wanted to do, and now it looks like how many of these have they already accomplished? Number one, capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. Check. Uh, Get control of the schools and teachers associations and soften the curriculum. Gain control of all student newspapers, infiltrate the press, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and pictures, eliminate all laws and gover- uh, governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech, Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and other um, deviancy as normal, natural, and healthy. Eliminate prayer or any, pl- in a, any phase of religious expression in the schools on the grounds that it, uh, the, of separation of church and state. And on and on it goes. I mean, there's 45 of these here. But it,
1: Richard, when you're reading that, <clears throat> actually, this is what you just read is what happens when a nation forgets God. Yeah, uh, we're irrefutably a Christian nation. That does not mean everybody's going to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. It means our foundations are irrefutably Christian. If there was no Bible, there would be no America. Mm-hmm. And when you're reading that, it just kind of shocked me tonight before we went on. And to hear those, here we are. So um, have we got any questions yes, coming sir. in tonight? I'd like do. to hear what the people are thinking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, okay.
2: Um Let's see here, Uh, okay, Uh, well we've we've talked about this already but um, Jeff on chat wants to know how do you feel about the weaponization of the law enforcement such as the FBI with county election clerks or the RCMP in Ottawa against peaceful trucker protests? Do you have any perspective on that? that
3: You you know, I don't, um, the RCMP Historically, they've been a very good organization. I went up there and taught in Ottawa a few years ago against marijuana, um, and they were very concerned with that. On the on the, the the politicalization for the FBI, you know, that's I dealt with a lot of good FBI. Also, um, I don't know that case to a, a very good degree. I just don't. I wasn't following it. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of our own issues. I deal with the FBI almost weekly, probably mm-hmm. on major incidences, um, and they assist us in a lot of things. But I've not had them come and commandeer or try to take over anything, mm-hmm. uh, or to push anything in the county.
1: So you've you've had some FBI agents that have been great to work with.
3: I, I, yeah, I mean they've helped us with multiple cases, from uh, major homicides like the bareth homicide, um, multiple types of uh, gang-related type thing, cartel-driven issues and uh, they're actually one of the the reasons we were able to get through a lot of the cartel issues in the county. So there's there's good side too and I I, I think I preface it with you're going to find organizations that have a lot of good direction and a lot of good people. um, But if it's driven out of Washington D.C. on different things, um, I kind of sometimes wonder if, if they're putting something together that there may be an issue there. Uh, But unfortunately I don't know a whole lot about that case to Mm be able to tell you one way or the other. Right,
1: right. And I think, Richard, that's important too that we don't put all of them in the same because the Tina Peters thing, you know, from law enforcement, we heard these kind of raids and both uh, current and former FBI agents commented on what happened to Tina Peters and Sharona Bishop and all that. They said, unbelievable, beyond the pale. You only use that on the most... Uh, dangerous criminals and situations. So I think it's good. We understand there are good FBI agents out there and men that love this country and their communities. But we also have things driven from Washington, D.C. there. Absolutely. You know, um, one of the things I was going to ask you earlier, um, Jason, was
2: the the liberals and the Democrats, they they act like they want to help the poor and they want to help the minorities. And maybe they do in their heart. But these policies, it seems like they end up hurting the very people that they're supposed to help, like releasing prisoners from jail and all this sort of stuff. What communities and neighborhoods are the, are the most impacted by that? Well, those communities,
3: because here's the thing, a lot of those folks are arrested out of those communities. Those communities, and they, and they, they give you this narrative that, hey, um, if, we, if we take from these communities, they're not gonna to wanna to trust you um, when, when you come in and talk to them. Well, that's kind of baloney right and here's why it's baloney the only time they're not gonna trust us if we release those inmates right back or those those criminals right back amongst them to where now they have to fear that they're gonna be released Mm -hmm. every time so they can't say anything they don't have the freedom to say anything anymore because you have gangs like you do in in Somalia and different places where you have warlords now set up in communities it's no different Mm. so they have more of a fear of those type of people being released back into their neighborhoods because what are they gonna do where are they gonna go who are they gonna go to because if you go to law enforcement well they're going to know who turned them in and if we're just going to write them a summons release them back onto the community what happens to them we can't stop what happens next that preying on people um you know you you just don't let a a tiger into a lamb pen and go
2: hey it'll be okay Mm. yeah i remember when all that went down in seattle Uh, when they took over, they were talking about having community uh, patrols or something like that, you know citizen groups that were going to handle all the criminals. How'd that work out for them?
1: Yeah,
3: it didn't work out at all.
2: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) kind of crazy. Well here's another question, Um, uh, this is from uh, Donna on, on Facebook, wants to know are there any coalitions in Texas that people can become involved in? I think she's probably meaning to help law enforcement and and that sort of thing. Are you aware of anything? Like, that? Is there any nationwide group? or? You know,
3: here's the thing. There's not any real large nationwide groups. There's not any real statewide groups. Here what I would tell you, right? So start in your own church area and start developing those. Mm. Um, do it at a local level. Grassroots works, right? If my <laughs> local leaders are getting enough pressure for what's happening in my area, that's going to have the fastest response. And then those local leaders that you elect, they need to go back to the legislator and they need to bring that fight to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you have 64 counties in the state that are now starting to bring that fight of, hey, we don't like something that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's uh, protection in numbers and we have to band together. And if you create those groups in your local areas, then you can band them together and work towards that end. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Jason, I was gonna ask, um, so we've got 64 counties in Colorado. Are you connected with other sheriffs in other counties and being able to share these concerns and yes. synergize in any way?
3: Yeah, we do. And I actually get a list of different legislative acts that are going to go out. We have a very strong association. We've actually joined the sheriff's associations with the police associations. Uh, We have a district attorney's association. We're all going at it the same way. Mm. The problem is you have a state legislature right now that doesn't care what any of us say. Um, We can all get up there and testify as to a bill and what this will do to us uh, and how it's not good and, and basically it's wiped away. So all your professionals that understand what these things are doing are being told we're wrong you're the problem. Um, And that to me is a serious problem.
1: Well, that goes right back to the people have to vote. We've got to change who's in those seats up there because you guys are going in there with these concerns. You have the pulse on your communities and we've seen that they don't Mm -hmm. care what you say or what you think and they disregard it. So it's time for a change.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, here we've got a
2: question about um, the second amendment So, uh, how does the Second Amendment support law enforcement actually?
3: Well, I'm one of those sheriffs that think everybody should carry. Okay, um, I think it would be the best thing in life. Here's the thing, there's a lot more respect if somebody knows that I'm armed. Um, You don't see as much crime in this county, but we're also one of the highest density populations with firearms in the state. Um, You don't see it as much because Mm -hmm. people have to be a little bit nervous about that look when when you have areas like Chicago or New York that have some of these really strong gun laws and you have some of the highest crime rates and shootings in the nation you got to wonder why yeah and the narrative is oh well that's only because they have guns so that well no listen I got more guns here than they might have but the thing is is I don't have that type of behavior going on um, so I support the Second Amendment mm-hmm. I think a lot of sheriffs do and the thing is is that the more the merrier so please come get your concealed weapons from my county we'll give it to you
1: I think I recall that saying it said, remember, when seconds count, law enforcement is only minutes away. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and so the, the point of that is you are the true first responder. And all you need to do, I don't know if y'all had heard the one 911 call, just hear one of these calls, and it was a mother and her two daughters, like nine and 10 years old, and she got her f- husband on the phone. Now she had a gun in the house and uh, she called her husband and said, there's someone trying to break in the house. So she went into a crawl space and he kept her husband on the phone. And he had someone I think in the office calling 911. They were on their way. And she and her husband was saying, now if he comes to you, shoot him, shoot him. He wasn't looking to just rob the home. He went and found them in a crawl space and she emptied the gun on him and he somehow survived it, got in his car and drove away and then crashed his car or something like that. But if she hadn't been armed, there'd be a dead woman and two daughters most likely. And so the second amendment, one other thing, if I can tell this in Miami, they had these carjackings that just went ballistic. So they started pulling, you know, when, when these carjackers, they'd look for rental cars and they'd say, ah, tourist. And so they started issuing concealed weapons permits, and that just began to surge. And the carjackings miraculously went down because, so these people that are pushing for gun control, people ask me, do you believe in gun control? I say, absolutely, you should keep your grouping within a size of your fist <laughs> on your target. That's the gun control <laughs> I believe in, and it'd be a lot safer society.
3: Well, you know, here's the thing. if. If my family is home and somebody's gonna come after them, I can't get there fast enough. Law enforcement is not that instant um, security, right? You have to be that instant security for your family. And I think every American should be able to defend their homes. Um, now, we make a lot of laws and there's a lot of castle doctrines. There's a lot of make my day laws. There's a lot of things that uh, different groups wanna take away from you as your rights, but your right to, to bear arms. Um, and that gives you the leverage to stop those actions then do it. Um, I think that more sheriffs are now starting to say, we want you to be armed, we want you to be proficient, and we want you to be able to protect your families.
2: Amen. Mm. Well, uh, so, What's the difference between a sheriff and police? Can you just educate our viewers on that? Yeah, and how's your role different
3: than the police department? Well, in Colorado it's, it's a little bit different too. But in Colorado, a sheriff is, a, is the top law enforcement official of any county, right? Um, and we and police chiefs have more of municipal code and they work at will to the city management and/or the, the board. Mm-hmm. A sheriff is an elected official. Right, my authorities are much broader. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole uh, authority derives from the I'm to keep the peace. And that's a pretty broad <laughs> spectrum of what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so we derive our authority from that, from the people, and that's different than a police department that derives its authority from city charters uh, and boards, and then that's the direction. Right, mm-hmm. a sheriff has the ultimate authority of law enforcement in, within your own county, um, and we are probably. The closest elected feet, uh, to elected uh, position to its constituents. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's great. Well, so um, what about schools, Jason? Like, um, do you see a relationship between crime and problems in the community and how well our local schools are operating? Well, I think so. I think
3: all of it plays a part. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing: if if our schools are indoctrinating with issues um, that have a I hate law enforcement um, or they're putting up a, a BLM flag and I'll be honest I think the BLM is a criminal organization. Um, if, if we're indoctrinating people with those things and we're separating the belief of what this country means and, and who all those, those stakeholders are and what that community is, I think we have serious problems. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we start to see things, we, we used to call it the broken window, right? Mm-hmm. We drive through a neighborhood, and the first house we come to has a broken window and somebody sees that, then we start having more broken windows mm-hmm. and we start seeing more crime and higher. It, it works in schools, it works in communities, it works in just all groups of people, right? Um, so I, I think that has a lot to do with it.
2: Mm. So like the teaching that, um, that America is systemically racist, um, I I can just now I didn't have that when I was a kid it's cool but I can imagine if I'm taught that that's gonna make me look at my officials with a jaded view and not trust you. Absolutely. Um, Are you seeing any any effects of that now or you know we don't in this community um,
3: you know that's that's I have a great community in this county and Mm -hmm. honestly everyone gets along Um, it's a it's a very niche community the thing is, I remember when I grew up in school, I didn't even know what racism was. It wasn't even talked mm. about. Mm. It wasn't an issue. Everybody worked together. <laughs> it didn't matter. color. It didn't matter. And nothing mattered. Um, we were just kids. And not until the last few years as it really rose to the surface. Um, and that's unfortunate because I, it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. I think we're at a worse uh, issue with race in our communities now than we've ever been. And I, and I think truly that's, that's a matter of... Uh, organizations that want that to be an issue they they're pushing that to be an issue they're trying to destroy um, how the communities had started to come together
1: absolutely i think so much of it is generated by our media and by special interest groups and things like that and unfortunately the church not the institutional church the body of christ has become salt with no savor we've lost our pungency and we've ceased to be light and the only thing left when you don't have light is darkness. It's really simple in its basic understanding. But I think the big thing is we've got to start speaking up. We've got to have believers stand up. And it is happening. It's just taken this unfortunate lawlessness to begin to start to abound and things like that. Just like, And that's the history of our country. It was the history of Israel in the Old Testament. Israel would get in trouble, cry out to God, oh, and God would deliver them. Then they get lazy again, and then they forget what he said, and they stray away, Then they cry unto him. And so here's where we are in America again. So any more questions, Richard? I'm curious about what the people. Um,
2: yeah, here's, what, here's one on the red flag gun law. This person asks, how do red flag gun laws affect law enforcement and its relationship with the community. and I, I'm going to tag onto that and say have you seen any red flag uh, law cases here in your county and what do you think of it? Is it- no. and, it,
1: well, and I Can don't- you define what the red flag law yeah. is for everybody? So
2: that red flag law, what, it, what it's talking about is
3: now anybody can go to a court and basically get a court order to have weapons removed from somebody and law enforcement now has to go out and do that. We have not seen it in this county. Um, you saw a few cases across the state that really kind of went south I think um, on the way it was done, mm. um, really, I, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I don't think it's right for um, a judge or a law enforcement official to make the belief that someone's crazy, because mm-hmm. um, it, it can be done by uh, an ex-girlfriend can come in years later and say, "Hey, now there's a, 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 a piece of proof, right? They, they have to bring in. There has to be a body of, of what that proof looks like, um, but it's outside of law enforcement too, and I." I I just don't think it's a good idea. I think now it's pitting us against good Americans, too, saying, hey, we have a reason to come take your weapons. Well, I I don't have to have probable cause. I just have to have a suspicion. Uh, And I think that has has really harmed the relationship with our communities. And it's Um, not not suspicion that you've committed a crime, suspicion that you might commit a crime. Yeah, how do we look at something and say, well, you might do this? you know, unfortunately, this law really, what if somebody says, I might go commit a crime tomorrow, so you're gonna take my weapons too? I think there's a lot of that. It's good for some and not good for others, and, that, and that's a problem with the
2: judicial system. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got uh, time for a couple more questions. Uh, this one's a little bit off the, uh, the the train of talk, or whatever we're talking about here, but but just so he can get his question answered. He says, how do you find someone who just scammed you, and all you have is a phone number? What advice do you have for people who are victims of identity theft? and?"
3: I, you know identity thefts one of the larger ones in Colorado and that's a recidivism is issue also those people don't go to jail mm-hmm. Right? they're getting released right away and all they're doing is affecting more and more and more people uh, based off of a phone number it's pretty hard they're spoofing phone numbers um, they're using your phone number to call somebody this is um, a lot of this is becoming an issue and it's almost impossible to deal with we receive these phone calls every day mm. um, and unfortunately for for uh, identity theft. Um, there's, there's really nothing you can do anymore because a lot of these from, are
2: from overseas. Well, what do you do, what advice do you have for people to prevent it in the first place instead yeah. of after it happens coming to you?
3: Um, hey, don't fall into this. If it's not, if you're not calling them, don't accept the information. Don't, don't give them the information. Because we see a lot of that where someone will call and say, hey, I'm with the sheriff. And this happens all the time. I had one just the other day that says, hey, uh, I'm Sheriff Jason Mikesell. You have a warrant for your arrest. I need you to go ahead and give me your credit card over the phone and and your information. And what do they do? They give them that information. If I, as a sheriff, will never call you to ask you to turn yourself in and give me a credit card over the phone. Don't give a credit card over the phone or your personal information
2: ever. Mm -hmm. Wow. One more question. We're... One more We've one more, real quick. Away. What advice, how How do, when it comes to law enforcement, the right attitude on, on law and crime and that sort of stuff, how do, how should people decide who to vote for? How do they know, how do they figure that out? Ask them, ask them questions. They have candidate forums
3: all the time. Find out what their stance is on law enforcement. Find out what their stance is and what their voting record has been towards law enforcement um, and those issues. Um, go to your local police departments, your local sheriff's departments and ask. They'll tell you they'll tell you what they think even though they're not supposed to. There, there is a time when you can say, you know what, I'm supporting this person.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Jason, thank you so much. We're, we're out of time for tonight. I want to thank you for just serving our community. Yes. Uh, we are so blessed in this country, Richard, and I, I just don't think we express our thanks enough to people like you and law enforcement. And I just want to say to everyone that's watching tonight, thank you for joining us. And be sure to check out Truth and Liberty, our website, because a lot of information. But, you know, I've just been stirred tonight, Richard and Jason, to to be more aware of what's going on. And uh, I am going to do that as a pastor mm-hmm. and get our Culture Impact team to find out about these groups. I know that a lot of you are watching from other states. Start asking. Start uh inquiring around you and get some of the people around you to start supporting law enforcement find out what you can do to bring awareness to the community and most of all realize your vote and voice counts you can make a difference and uh, we also want to thank ctn for airing this it's always a blessing that they carry this and thank you for joining us and if you're not a partner with truth and liberty remember we're a 501c4 uh, you don't get a tax deduction, but the Lord takes note, and we appreciate you, and get these books. Uh, we're almost out of Alex McFarland's book, and so get your copy, and uh, we hope to see you next week. It uh, appreciate you being faithful to watch Truth and Liberty. We'll look forward to seeing you next week at this same time, and until then, may the Lord bless you richly.
0: Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.